Stand by for the Terry Saul Show in five. Roll tape. Four. Cue Terry. Three. Bring Allie up. Two. Stand by. One. Play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. Good morning and welcome to the weekend show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host and I'm so glad that you joined us this morning. Amanda has joined us as she does each and every week. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you? We are doing A-OK. Who might we have in the studio to? So we have Eric and Victoria from Soaring Heights Recovery Home. Good morning, you guys. How are you? Good morning. Doing good this morning. Good morning. Doing well. <laughs> okay. What is Soaring Heights Recovery Home? Eric, why don't you start out? What is it? Soaring Heights Recovery Homes is, is transitional housing for individuals that are recovering from uh, substance abuse-related uh, issues. Okay. Um, and what we do is we provide a safe environment for them to start rebuilding their lives to address barriers that they may have created in their addiction, you know, um, employment. Uh, they may have a parole officer where they have to complete some court-ordered obligations. They may have a Department of Human Services case where their child is in foster care. Uh, so what we do is we work with them. We figure out what barriers they need to overcome, what they need to do to get employment, um, to get us get us uh, recovery uh, structure underneath them, getting a sponsor, going to meetings, drug treatment. Um, we work with individuals and their caseworkers to get their children returned to parent. And our, our ultimate goal is really to get these individuals, first and foremost, um, sober, in a good recovery plan put together, and then self-sufficient, taking care of themselves back out in the community. Is, is that tougher said than being done to get them sober? Not really, because, you know, most individuals that we work with, none of them want to be addicts. You know, none of them want to be using. When they come to us, they want to be clean. What we often run into is, is you know, and what I often like to say to people is, is, is uh, getting sober isn't the hard part, it's staying sober and addressing the issues that take you back to, to drug use. Okay. That's why we work with them really closely to make sure they get a support system put it underneath them. So how long has Soaring Heights been around? We opened our first home in September of 2018. We okay. opened it up uh, in Kaiser. And we opened that home up to eight women with or without minor children. Just before the pandemic hit. Yes, it was. That was uh, that was an interesting yeah. time for us. I said it was. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, we were shoestring budget there for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you said you opened your first home. How many homes do you have? We currently have two. We have uh, the one in Kaiser for women with or without minor children, and then we have one in Southeast Salem for men with or without minor children. Okay. And we're awesome. going to get to you, Victoria, here in just a second. Well, Eric, what is your background? In what respect? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. Well, I guess okay. what your why. Okay. So my why is um, I personally struggle with addiction. It started at an early age for me. Um, I struggled with addiction for about 30 years. Wow. Wow. And my path for me, um, it, it took me to prison. Um, the first time I went to prison was back in the late 80s, and I was in there for 10 years. Um, and I, and I didn't, didn't get the tools I needed to stay clean and sober when I got out. So it wasn't very long that I was back using again. Um, I think it was. Can I, can I ask you, when you're, when you're in prison, are you clean and sober, or do you have access to? I mean, you have access to whatever whatever you want um okay. but i it, for me it was uh the triggers that made me want to use weren't there so it was easier for me to me, me to remain clean and sober in prison okay but then life hits you when you walk out those yep. doors yes mm -hmm. yeah so um you know i i think i was out for about seven or eight years before i 
ended up getting in trouble again. And and that was kind of my uh, my rock bottom for me because in 2007, the last time I was getting arrested, I was getting handcuffed outside a police car, getting ready to be hauled back off to jail again. And some stranger was coming out of the house with my six-month-old daughter. Mm. And I made a decision at that time, you know, I can either keep doing what I've been doing for the last 30 years or I can be a parent and raise my daughter in a different environment than I was raised. Shortly after that, I had full custody of my daughter, and I've had her ever since. Good for you. Good for you. The second time you went back to prison, how long were you in for? I was, I'm going to say only, in there for 18 (laughs) months this time. For the second time. Better than 10 years? Yeah, better than 10 years. Before they even closed the doors on me, I already knew I was done. You know, it's just that 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 one moment was... So being away from your, your daughter... For 18 months, that's got to be a rude awakening, isn't it? It was, but I was actually, you know, I, I've been blessed in a lot of things, I, I believe. Um, and one of those things was that my sister was available to watch my daughter while I was going through my 18 month. I went to uh, Powder River. I went to their, through their drug treatment program over there, and I released from there. Where's that? A Baker City. Okay, okay. So, so it's like a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. Like this, it, was, it was a blessing. Back on your feet. Yes. Turned your life around. Yes. So do you remember uh, the day you got out the second time around? Yeah, I got out, uh, I think it was two days before her second birthday. Nice. Okay. And yep. you got out of there, they shut the door behind you, and you thought, I'm never going back, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I knew that before they even let me out. I was yeah. done. Yep. Good for you. Yep. Yep, and 60 days after I got out, I had full custody of my daughter. Good for you. Yeah. Yep. That's huge. How long has yep. that been now? Well, she's going to be 16 next month. Ooh, so wee. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. Yep. So Good going on 15 years now. Nice. Okay, so this is close to your home. It, it means is. a lot to you. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we've we've got a real passion for, for parents that have children and they're, they're struggling and we want to see those families put back together. Does, you, yeah. does your daughter know your past? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yep. We're, you know, that's one of the things that we've committed to doing is making sure that they're fully aware of our past and the mistakes that we made and, and to hopefully they, they don't go down the same path that we did. Great. And I think that's important. There's a lot of yep. parents out there that will protect their children from knowing their past. And I think it's important to know that if you do this, there are consequences. Right. And it's a very real thing and it's yep. very easy to get caught up in. And so I think yep. it's important to let them know that it, life is real. It is. And these are what hap- this is what happens. Right. Victoria, what do you do? You said I was just sitting in here looking pretty and not saying a word. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. I volunteer with okay. Sorry Nights Recovery Homes. Um, right. I have a passion because I have a past, too. What is your past, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, mine's a lot longer than his. <laughs> it's about the same amount of time, Go for it. Years. Go for it. Mine just started at thir- age 13 and started just running from trauma, abuse, all kinds of things. Led down a road of almost 30 years of in and out of jail, uh, residentials. My last stint was, and then I had four children in between that, with four different dads, all kinds of criminality. I mean, I'm not proud of it, but it's brought me where I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last stint was June 23rd, 2005, when they came in on what they used to call a knock and talk in Portland. And... Uh, Woke up and that's where, where they knock and, and they also talk? Yeah. yeah. yeah they do talk. Yeah. Yeah. And they ask all kinds of questions. Yeah. And I was in a very abusive relationship, very abusive, and um, basically woke up to a uh, drug enforcement officer at my bedroom door when I was given my younger son. Because at that point, my son was, my youngest was two. My second son was uh, six, almost seven. I had a seven, almost 17-year-old daughter, and then I had a 
almost 19-year-old daughter that I didn't have custody of anymore. I gave her up when she was four years old to a dad that was not um, in an addiction, but the other three children's dads were. Woke up to this uh, drug enforcement officer, asked me to come downstairs, and at that point in time, um, we were cooking meth in our house. So I let him know that, and that's when my life turned around. But to say before that, I mean, I can tell you I dropped to my knees about a couple weeks before they showed up saying, get me out of this, God, I don't know how. Because I'd been going down a road for a long time, and I just right. didn't know how. And basically, so what 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 changed your mind? I mean, what what changed your life? I guess I woke up wanting to be the person I was, and I was still a thirteen year old kid running from okay. a lot of trauma, and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I didn't know, you know, through those years, treatment has changed a lot since way back then. To where, and I've worked in the field now for over fourteen years. I'm no longer working. I resigned in two thousand twenty one. Anyway, before it was just go to treatment and get, you know, go to treatment and check off the box. Right. Nowadays, they look at where's the trauma, what is the, um, you know, things that have happened to you in your past, what got you. Because nobody wakes up, like Eric just said, nobody wakes up and just says, hey, I want to be a drug addict. Right. It's not what you do. It's what, what has happened that leads you to not want to feel and not what to think. And that's where I was at. And so I had my second DHS case with that. And that's when I learned to turn my life around. And I said, I need help. Did you have much family support? My family was very abusive, and they had their own lot of issues. Okay. But I will say by the time I got clean and sober, everyone but my two brothers had passed away. So mm. I didn't have a lot of support. So it was, and the support I had as a child wasn't there mentally or emotionally. How, how is your relationship with your two brothers now? Amazing. You're all clean and sober, so it's amazing how that happens. And today I have amazing relationships with my kids. Good for you. you. Know, Good for um, you. We've been together now for 15 years, pretty much since um, I kind of recap. We've known each other. I mean, this this could go on forever. We've known each other since high, the middle school, so we've kind of been back and forth through the years. That's and, cool. That's yeah. neat. I believe I, I call it God brought us back together. Fate. He says I stalked him. <laughs> well, no, there there is a certain rule about stalking. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <You know? good. laughs> stalking can be okay. Yeah. I mean, Persistent. Persistent. <laughs> No, I like the word stalking better. Yeah. That's great. All right, one for my team. Okay, I need you both to get a little bit closer to your microphones there. A little bit. There All you right. go. Well, that's that's awesome. So you're you're back. You're doing fine. Yeah, I went How? back to school. I went back to school. When all that turned around, it changed my life. I figured out I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to help other people. And I went back to school, graduated with my associate's degree in 2009. Good for you. CADC, which is a certified alcohol and drug counselor. And I'm also a certified recovery mentor. And then I went from there to work for a place called LifeWorks in Portland for a couple of years. Then came down here in 2010. Started work for working for depart. Well, I worked for Volunteers of America within the Department of Human Services Child Welfare Office for four years as an alcohol and drug specialist and then moved to Marion County Health and Human Services for seven and a half years. So, Does it feel good to give back to where you were? It, it, it feels good. I can't even explain how it feels. You know, not only that, it allows you to stay, never forget where you came from. Right. Have you, is there certain cases that hit close to home that you, that like maybe are... Yeah. Harder, I guess. There are. There are. You know, but there's a there's that also that ability to connect and recognize. Right. And when you're able to tell somebody, hey, you know what? I've kind of been there. Let's talk about it and mm-hmm. let's look for the solution. But don't you don't you get some of the people that will come through there? I know as as a dad, I used to get the you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. OK, 
I'm sorry. You're right. I was never 16. You're right. I don't understand. Okay. Do you get that a lot? Oh, yeah. A yeah. lot. You just, you just don't get it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you do get it. You've been yeah. there. Yeah, but you, the thing is, is you continue to talk with them and talk, you know, you, you express your story. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be exactly the same story, but there's so many similarities with individuals that are in addiction that come into recovery. You know, and that's the thing that you share is the similarities and how, you know, these kind of things help me. Maybe this will help you. If not, let's find that solution. You know, let's see the barrier is my kids came back and I didn't know how to parent when my kids came back. Right. And I was blessed enough to have people in there that... um help me wrap services. And that's what we do. We work with our community partners to wrap those services around the individuals that come in. Options, family building blocks, you know, parole and probation or DHS. Where, how can we get them the help that they need so that they don't feel like they're struggling all on their own? Because that's the biggest piece. When you feel you're alone, you can't cope with it. It's it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. You know. And when people come to you for help, it, that's when it's you got to strike why the iron's hot because yeah. they're there because they want to be there. And so for you guys to provide those types of resources to make it easier because I know a few people that have gone to get help and they just didn't have resources. And so they fell back into the streets. Right. It's common when yep. there's not somebody there to help and, and provide them with that because a lot of the drug addicts, they don't know where to start, where to begin, where to end. They don't know. It's a scary world out there. Yeah. It yeah. truly is. A lot of times the addicts don't like to ask for help. Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. So it's providing those services and also recognizing that once they are in their own place and stabilized, what if the electricity gets shut off? How many people really know what to do when that happens mm-hmm. or when you're on that shut off notice? There are multiple agencies, but in that moment, most people just go, ah, right? Yeah. So it's giving them those resources when they leave for that. Absolutely. Well, we need to take a, a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guests, uh, the folks from Soaring Heights Recovery Homes. You're listening to The Weekend Show, 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM. Today's show brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Stick around. We're just getting warmed up. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to the Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. Welcome back. This is the weekend show. We are talking with the folks from Soaring Heights Recovery Homes, Amanda. Yes, we are. So we kind of got into your guys' story on the last segment. So now what brought you to create Soaring Heights Recovery Homes? So how Soaring Heights all began was, um, as I said before, I worked with Marion County. I worked as a mentor, so I worked in the field with helping other individuals gain resources, right? Mm -hmm. In that part of it, housing was really hard to find. 
And I worked for, I don't know if you know what medicated-assisted treatment is, but medicated-assisted treatment is either methadone, suboxone, or buprenorphine. And that is, I worked a lot with the um, opioid individuals that were in there for heroin or, you know, opioid uh, addiction. And it was really hard to find suitable housing, safe structured housing, where they were accepted. What I did was I came home one day and I was telling my husband here, Eric, um, we need to open up some houses because uh, the people were having a really hard time getting in, being accepted with no stigma uh, for being on medicated assisted treatment. And that was our start of opening up these houses. So our houses are 100% medically or medicated assisted treatment friendly. I like that. Okay. So how did how did you find the first house that you opened? So this this is a, actually kind of a good story. We we spent um, probably two or three years doing research, okay, uh, trying to figure out uh, how we would open and like to operate one of these homes. And I had really kind of put it on the shelf. It says, okay, maybe maybe I'm not quite ready for this. My boss actually walked into my office one day and he dropped a set of house keys on my desk and says, go tell me what it's going to take to sell this house. And I went over there to, to do my, you know, to look through it and stand in the middle of a house called Victoria up and said, here, we're here. We got the house. This is it. And I went back to my boss that afternoon and asked him to lease it to me. Okay. So that's how we did it. That's how we got the first house started. We started and we opened it September 2018, and I was just awarded funding here last year to purchase that house. We now own that house. Congratulations. Nice. Nice. Yes. That's huge. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So how are these homes structured? Either of you is fine. Yeah, don't I'm look at kidding. each other. <laughs> don't look at each other. So these houses are structured, like we said, they're about, you know, the houses are structured for self-sufficiency towards individuals. So individuals come in and they we send out like a bulk email to either probation and parole, uh, Marion County, all kinds of uh, community partners and or word of mouth. Um, they come in, they do an interview, and then uh, it we decide where that, where which person comes in. Because, like, one of our last interviews at the women's house, we had one bed available, and we had a, 10 people show up. Right. Because mm. that's the need, right? It's really hard sometimes. That would um, be difficult. Mm-hmm. So they come in, and they're asked, they're placed on what we call a 30-day centering in, which means that they have a 9 p.m. curfew. They are, if they don't already have a job, we start working with them on a jobs contract, and we get them hooked up with either Gliss or WorkSource or All-Star. There's so many different agencies, Goodwill, um, if they need a resume um, built. And then they start doing job search. Uh, they have chores. Um, there's a house meeting once a week that is mandatory that they have to be at. Um, they set goals. We do weekly um, attainable goals so people can, you know, they might be as small as I need to organize my room, but it teaches people to start setting bigger goals. It does. So we work with that kind of structure of how the houses go. And after the 30 day centering in, oh, and then they have to do 30 meetings in 30 days. Um, and to, they have to be face to face and or online. So, I mean, we work as like person-centered, faith-focused, and community-driven is kind of our... So how many residents do you have in each house? So right now, the women's house has eight okay. eight women, with or without minor children. Um, the men's house has five. Okay. Yes. Is that at capacity? Uh, the men's house is... We, we have one opening there, and I think we have one opening at the women's house, but like she said, they fill up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have, do you have um, someone on staff that also stays at these houses just to we, make sure everything's going according to plan? They're not really staff. We call them house leads. 
Okay. So we have an in- individual in there that's that's you know got a good good recovery base and, and good understanding of what we're trying to accomplish, and they just kind of monitor what's going on in the houses. Um, Victoria and I spend a lot of time going over there and, and checking in on them, but the house leads job really is just kind of uh, make sure that uh, individuals are leaving when they're supposed to leave, you know, turning in their paperwork. Um, they monitor for, you know, any kind of, I'll just say, issues that may arise that might need our attention. And she tries to deal with what she can, but we, we really we really are uh, hands-on. Okay, so when you when you have uh, John Jones, who, who you decide that is a fit for your home, he comes in there, he has nothing. He's been homeless. He has nothing. He doesn't have a job. He has no income coming in. Um, how does he eat? You said that you don't feed them? Yeah, so, so that's, that's a good question. That's one of the things that we've developed right now is we have really good relationships with, like we said, all the community partners. So let's say that we have a homeless individual that, was, that had just been uh, accepted into the LEAD program. They will actually assist him for the first two or three months till he gets on his feet, gets a job, and starts being able to take care of himself. We'll lead him to, uh, where do they get the food stamps? Do you read them Yeah. So, so we make sure that they get what they need. Start we, setting them up. Yeah. So that yeah, and so that they're not overly stressed out about how am I going to make next month's rent? Well, right. well, parole and probation is going to pay for it for the first three months, so you're okay. Department of Human Services, specialty courts, all of those have uh, we have vendor agreements with, so that they'll they'll help the, their clients with the first few months to make sure that they don't fail. That's awesome. That's setting them up for for their future. It's yes. giving them a schedule, a routine, uh, chores, responsibilities. It's it's yes. all of those things that are simple. What we feel like are simple life skills, but can be hard. Yes, and a struggle when you're starting over. Exactly. <laughs> so and that's awesome. Yeah, and it's a really safe environment for them to be in as well, right? So they don't, they can come home at night and they don't have to worry about where they're sleeping and mm-hmm. and a great support system, I'm sure. Being in a house with other women or other men that are yes. going through very similar things, yes. you can encourage each other, you can cheer each other on. It's a buddy system, also peer support. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We've only got a couple of seconds left uh, on this particular segment there, but you said that you have uh, children in some of these homes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, we do. In, in which one, the men's or the women's? Or Mostly both? the women's. Um, the, the men right now don't get too many children returned to them. But uh, here I think it's sometime last month that we just had a mother that had four children returned to her from foster care. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice. That's She's doing amazing. Oh, yes. We need to take a short break. When we come back more with today's special guest, you're listening to The Weekend Show on 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM Radio, and we are so glad that you joined us. More with the folks from Soaring Heights Recovery Homes, in just a moment, stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in 5, 4, Q Terry, 2, 1, you're on. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6999. Don Lule Homes. 
We are back. This is the weekend show on Salem's original radio station. We are 104.3 FM. We are 1220 AM. We are KSLM, and we are so glad that you joined us. Amanda and I are talking with the folks from Soaring Heights Recovery Homes. We're talking with Victoria and Eric. Uh, you are a, can I say what you, you're a couple? Yeah, yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> well, the, good. I'm glad I can say that because I just did, right? Yes, you did. <laughs> there you go. Um, we were talking a little bit in the last segment about some of the children that are returned to their parents. How often does that happen? And tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know how to say how often it so happens. So what we, what we can say is in the last four years, we've had 33 children return to parents. There you go. That's and, there you go. And, and that has all largely been in the women's house. Okay. Wow. And it's, you know. We don't have dates written down, but like we mentioned earlier, last month we had a, a mother that had four children return to her from, from Department of Human Services. They were in foster care. That's now, well, huge. That's, well, a su- those, that's success stories yes. yeah. through and through. Yeah, when you get time. your children back after they've been taken back from you, taken away from you, yep. that's huge. They put in work. Yep. yep. And one of, the, one of the things that I, I, this particular individual, one of the things I always like, like to point out with her which is super exciting is she still has all the services wrapped around that she needs to become successful. There's still a lot of community partners that are working with her to make sure that she stays successful and she continues on. Yeah. And and that's really a big piece of uh, people's continued recovery and success is, is to, you know, have those services mm-hmm. that they need. How long can someone stay in your homes? So our, our program is designed for 18 months. Okay. Because, um, you know, we really are based on self-sufficiency. You need to come into our home. What is it that you need to do to become self-sufficiency, to become self-sufficient, excuse me there? And we really work towards that. We want we want them to come in, do what they need to do, and get out and start take, supporting themselves. Yeah. But what, we've, what we're seeing is that on an average, we're probably looking at uh, eight to ten months for an average stay. That's great. Yeah. That means that they're ready to move on and yep. start life. Yes, and that's and that's ultimately what our goal is. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about your success stories. Have you had people come back to you and, and say, you know what, thank you. You guys got me uh, on the straight and narrow, and I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. Yes, all the time. We just started a few years ago, so we don't have a, a huge base yet. But there's we, we meet with people all the time that thank you. We have we have actually here in the next couple of weeks, we have some individuals that have been out of our house for a couple of years that are coming to do videos for us. Oh. That, yeah. They're going to talk about how Soaring Heights helped them. We could talk about all kinds of different things here. We had, you know, we had a young lady that didn't do so well in our home the first time she was there. And she came back to us and said, you know what, I'm ready now. And she was one of the ones that got a child returned to her. And she's out in her own apartment now with her child doing wonderful. So if, if somebody does go through your program and, it, and it just, it's not a perfect fit and they choose to leave or you choose to have them leave, they can come back? Absolutely. And you guys will accept them back? Absolutely. We've done it more than once. Yeah, um, as long as we have an opening. Yeah, right. as long as we have. Yeah, but absolutely. Anybody that leaves our program can are always welcome to come back regardless of the circumstances. Recovery right. can be tricky. Yes, uh, and, uh, some, and, you know, I'm here to tell you it doesn't always happen the first time around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're always hopeful, even even if they leave on less than desirable terms. We, right. we, we want to see them succeed. We always do. How well, do you, I'm sorry. No, you have. Go ahead. How do you determine how many beds you can have? Is it something that the state says you can have? X amount of beds in this house and X amount of the other, or is it just something you determine yourself? It, it's a little of both. It's a bit of a gray area, but we decide how many people we're going to put in these places depending, depending on the size of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't want to get too many people in one house. We want to make sure that they have room to breathe. Right. 
So the the property in Kaiser is uh, over 3,000 square feet. Oh, wow. And we have the eight women in there, and there's only one shared room. Everybody has their own room. Okay. And that's what you want. And that's mm-hmm. and that's why we only have five in the men's house, because this is it's only 1,350 square feet. What are, the, what are the neighborhood? What's the neighbors? Do they know what your individual house is and who's in there, and, and are they— accepting that or is it absolutely um you know this it's one of the things you know we're open um we talk to the all our community partners all the community officials city officials we talk to our neighbors before we even open the house said this is what we want to do here this is how we're going to do it um and have you had much pushback uh yeah we have we've had not you know not uh fist fight pushback but um people have been concerned okay um but once once they get in there and see how well the, the structure is put together and they they come along we have one uh, one of the neighbors right next to us that every year she brings over thanksgiving dinner for the house there you go that's awesome and there her church go. does stuff on christmas for the houses yeah for both houses that's so, really cool yeah. yeah and it's just one of the things that um you know as a community they don't maybe not understand completely is when we put together a house like this many of the individuals in there are on parole so there's going to be a parole officer coming and checking at the house. They might be in the Department of Human Services. They're going to be over at the house. That house is getting monitored from a lot of different agencies. So the likelihood of them becoming bad neighbors is, is not very high. Right. So you have, you have a zero tolerance for any type of drugs coming into the house? Absolutely. We do random UAs. We do. They, there's a policy if somebody feels like somebody is um, might be high or drunk or on something, they have they can grab another individual from the house and do a UA on any yep. individual at any point in time. There's, you know, certain rules of, you know, no aggressive behavior. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, and all of this they know coming in. Right. Oh. So. Who do you answer to? Who do we answer to? Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a state agency that wants you to? There currently there is no license or or anything for transitional housing for what we do. I in a sense we answer to the community and to the community partners. Um, you know they're not going to send people to a house that's not run well, right? Right. Uh, we answer to the city because the city knows we're there. There's no real license for what we're doing, not just for transitional housing. Okay. Well, I think your success rate speaks volumes when you say that they can stay there for 18 months, but normally it's typically 8 to 10 months. That means that they are getting in, they're getting what they need to get done, taking care of business, getting their children back, and feel good enough to where they can fly on their own. That's a huge, huge thing. Yes. So Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever find yourself getting um, attached to the folks where you, after they've left, you just, they become friends? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I we even have one on our board now. Oh, nice. Cool. Nice. Right? So, yeah, we, and, and, and it's actually one of the things that we try to do is we try to stay connected after they leave because we want to see continued success. Um, our door is always open and phone's always, here's our number. You need anything, call us. And we'll check on them periodically. We'll say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? I don't know. Send them a text. Give them a call. See, so let's check in on them. So, yes, we're, we're trying to – it also helps to develop that community relationships too, right? We've got, we got a whole group here of people that are staying clean and sober, like-minded. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people like you guys that go into recovery, they then in turn give back mm-hmm. because they've been there, done that, and they want to give back because they've been such success stories and – want to do better and make better because this need in our community is huge. It is. It, it is, is. Very huge. Bigger than we probably could ever imagine, especially right now in this time. It is. 
Totally. How how are you funded? That's a good question. <laughs> so for the so we we charge anybody that comes into one of our homes, we charge what we call a shared living fee. So they have to pay monthly to be there. But if they're if they're homeless and they don't have a, a dime to their name, and we, then we tuck you back to if they come from a lead program, probation or parole, what a specialty courts, even Department of Human Services will pay for the first few months. Okay. And so do churches. And so we do churches. We reach different churches and different organizations that have said, you know what, we can help them get in, you know, that first yep. month. And, you know, they know that what we do with them is, you know, get them on a jobs contract yep. and all these things. So they know that it's not just going to be. It's not going to have to continue to happen. Does that right. make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's not steadfast rules, right? You know, I had a, a, a gentleman that moved in a few months ago and said, hey, look, I don't have any money right now, but I do have a job the minute I get there. Can I start paying when I start getting paid? Yeah, sure. Let's, let's put some together and get you in here and get you going. And, and you know, as, as long as it's, it's pretty much, a, you know, as long as you do what you say you're going to do, we're going to work with you, mm-hmm. right? Our funding-wise, for the first probably two and a half years, that's all we basically survived on that. Those, those shared living fees were enough to cover the lease and all the utility bills and everything that we needed for direct operations of those houses. And we intentionally didn't really go out fundraising. We weren't shouting from rooftops or anything. We wanted to put this together. We wanted to make sure that it was operating in a way that we wanted it to operate it and wanted to, quite frankly, make sure that it was something that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so after the first two and a half years, probably just after COVID ended or kind of ended. I don't know if it has. <laughs> right. Um, we started doing more outreach. We started, I started writing more grants. I do all the grant writing. Um, and we started doing more events. We've done a couple of fundraisers, but we're really, really just getting some momentum to get out in the community more and, and try and raise those funds. Like I said earlier, I was awarded a rather large grant that helped us pay for a house, did some fundraising that, uh, you know, it, it was fairly successful. I think I raised around 100000 last year in fundraising. Wow, that's huge. And I've also think I'm pretty sure that I've been awarded a money to buy the third house. I was and just going to ask. Good for you. Well, what? yeah, we're, you know, we... Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're, we've, yeah, we've got some, we've got some pretty promising things coming Plans up. Plans in, in the works. In the near future is going to be... That's exciting. Yeah, going to be are you, are you, big things. Are you proud of what you've accomplished so far? Yes. Are you you guys yes. proud of what you've done? I'm thankful. 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 Proud. Yes. Proud's a word. Yeah. I think um, it's more. Well, you should be humbling. proud though. Yeah. You should yeah. be proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I spent most of my life taking, and it's 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 been it's been nice to have the opportunity to give back. Absolutely, you're making a huge difference in not only yeah. adults but children and yeah. everything. Yeah. All right. We need to take a, a quick break. We'll be back with our final few minutes. We're talking again with uh, Victoria and Eric from the Soaring Heights recovery home is there a phone number if people would want to get in touch with you 971-719-4963 okay and we'll give that number out again before we wrap this up here you're listening to 104.3 fm and 1220 am we are kslm back in just a moment or so stick around you're listening to the terry saul show on kslm am and fm brought to you today by the lule group We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guests have been the folks from Soaring Heights Recovery Homes, Victoria and Eric. And first of all, I want to thank you for coming in today and uh, spending some time chatting with us. Amanda, you had a question? Yeah. So what are your guys' hopes for, I guess, the future? What do you see to come from all of this? 
more than what has already been. <laughs> well, first and foremost, we want to continue to help individuals, you know, and, and, and it, it, we do that one at a time, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just person-centered. Um, but as a whole, as a, as a, a nonprofit, as Soaring Heights, I've worked pretty closely with one of my board members who's done a pro forma for us. Um, and what we want to do is we want to reach sustainability. We, we want Soaring Heights to, to be able to support itself right. continuously. And we think that we can do that at 60 to 80 beds. Okay. So that's our first target, and, and that is probably six to eight houses for us. Right. So, so for will the they, first— Will they be—I didn't mean to interrupt, but will they be scattered throughout the county or just in one central area? We will probably scatter them throughout the county, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Um, we, we actually are going to have a meeting here next month, I think, with Polk County. Okay. We'll go out there and talk to those folks and see if that's something we can set up out there as well. But that's that's really our first phase is trying to get there to actually just kind of have more structure on the upper end of Soaring Heights, you know, with with the business. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Now, you were talking about Unity Nights. Unity Nights. So I, I, I want to just touch a little bit on Unity Nights, what Soaring Heights offers. Um, so a lot about recovery is learning to build those relationships, uh, regaining trust with individuals. And our unity nights are worked around that. We have anywhere from bowling nights, which the rec um, has been gracious to help us with. We take um, both either both houses or sometimes individual. Um, but most of the time when we go bowling, we take both hou the two houses that we have right now. But we also do like pizza night. We had a uh, dinner night um, where we brought the men's house over to the women's house and they had... Um, Pasoli, is that how you say that? <laughs> One of the young ladies made it, and I mean, it was it, it was great. It's building those relationships, recognizing that people can have friendships, and start learning to trust again. And I think it's one of the great things that we do do. And we do it once a month. Okay. You know, as well as we also give out what we call incentive cards um, for individuals that are continue every four months, three times a year. Um, we give out $25 incentive cards just to say, you know, hey, look where you've come. Look what you've done. Because it's all about building that self back up, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's giving those opportunities. But I just like to talk about Unity Nights because I think it's a huge part. We also did an alumni last year, which was our first one. And we did it for the women's house only because it had been open the longest. So, um, and we had over 15 uh, individuals come that used to live there that came back in. Yeah. Nice. We had, I think, nice. about 22 total that we got a hold of. and But a few of them, one of them had moved out. You know, over in eastern Oregon, and people were gone because it was during the summer. But those are the things that, you know, talk about our future part. We want to start doing more of is building those relationships amongst one another yeah. and coming back together. Mm -hmm. Finding new friendships can be a challenge. It seems like it's a silly, simple thing, but it can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. So setting up those monthly things, not only is it something to look forward to, but then, yeah, you get to build those relationships with like-minded people. Yes. yes. People that understand you, that don't judge you. Yes. So that's important. That's really cool. I like that. You know, what is nice. the age frame of your, your residents there? 18 to 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what's the youngest you've had, 18? 19. Yeah. Okay. And 10. the other direction? Uh, 59. I think I have 59, almost 60. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 59. That's yeah. still pretty young. Yeah. yeah, we had a, he was a homeless veteran. Okay. Uh, came to us from detox. And he was with us for about eight months. And he got some services wrapped around him. And uh, another agency helped him get his first apartment. 
That's cool. And we checked with him not too long ago, and he's still doing great, and that's been almost two years. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So let's say I reach out to you guys. I want to move into one of your houses. Can you walk me through that process once I get accepted and do the interview, what that all looks like? So um, we, like I said, we do our interviews um, during our house meetings. So you would come in and do an interview, and then say you were accepted into the house. Uh, we'd have you come in within 24 to 48 hours. You'd fill out some paperwork. Um, we'd go over all the house expectations and guidelines, go over, you know, what the chores look like, what the house, house meetings are mandatory, um, show you all the escape I mean, all, all those things. Not escape routes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Please do not. The fire drills. <laughs> Out the window. Yeah. Well, like at the Oreo house, it's a, almost a three-story house. So we have, you know, um, the, the sure. what, what's it called? Escape route. Yep. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all those things. And, you know, uh, go over everything that that's going to look like. Um, we give out what we call welcome baskets for individuals that show up because, like you said, some of them come in homeless. So we give out these little baskets that have some hygiene products in them and, you know, we give them a pillow brand new pillow so they even feel like they have those things so, yeah yeah nice so yeah. let's say oh, go ahead so let's say that um one of our listeners has some clothing items for kids or some new bedding that they've never opened and used do you guys accept donations for things like that we do we're a little bit on the clothes thing because there at first we accepted clothes and i ended up with so much because not all so we were kind of like this with clothing because we can we, there's so many different organizations out there that you can direct them to. UGM, right. um, there's some of the ones that when they're looking for jobs, they'll help them get a whole new outfit. So we know all those areas. Items, a lot of times, you know, we, we go through things. Uh, they go through breaking crock pots. I mean, it happens, right? Right. So those kind of things, yes. In fact, I just picked up a thing over for some new um, uh, storage containers. You know, oh, were, yeah. So, I, so one of the things right now that we're looking for is about five new dressers. Okay. So yep. five new dressers. Yep, yep. We we could use uh, four in the men's house and one on the women's house. Okay. Anything and, else in particular? Um, we we can always use paper products, you know, paper towels, cleaning supplies, toilet okay. paper. Okay. What about like to, uh, toothpaste, toothbrushes, we things can like use that? Those. Yep. We stuff like hygiene, hygiene stuff. Yes. Always in always hygiene. hygiene. Yes. Okay. So five dressers in particular, and so I'm gonna shout out your number here one more time, so you guys can contact them for drop off. Um, or possibly pick up if needed, um, is 971-719-4963. And I'll repeat that again at the end because that's important. And then what about, like, uh, what if somebody doesn't have a dresser, but they're like, you know what, I got 20 bucks or 60 bucks that I want to donate? Absolutely. Any, anybody can call us and, and donate. We've got a donation page on our website. Um, okay, so, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Got anything, Terry? No, we're just we're just about uh, about a minute or so left to go here. A phone number for you guys. Oh, I'll give it out one more time. Here okay. I am. <laughs> I got it right here. 971-719-4963. And it looks like an email is eric at soaringheights.life. Okay. So definitely reach out. And if you guys didn't catch this or you want their website or anything, definitely you can always email me at amanda at kslm.news too, and I'll forward you guys all the information. Okay. Is there a website you guys have? Yes, it's uh, www.soaringheightsrecoveryhomes.com. There you go. Awesome. Stayed up all night thinking that one, didn't you? Yeah, it didn't take long to come up with that one. <laughs> well, I appreciate um, you guys and everything you do. Just, we have difference. just about 30 seconds or so left here. Just saying. How bad, how bad did COVID hit you guys? I guess not horribly. 
Okay. Um, you know, it just kind of, sh- just like everything else, it shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, individuals had troubles wor- finding work, but right. but we managed. We, just we had we, to pivot a little bit? Yeah, just had to pivot a little bit, yeah. but we managed. I mean, the, the need for what we were doing didn't stop because of COVID. Exactly. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Well, we are just about out of time. Uh, Victoria and Eric at Soaring Heights Recovery Homes. Uh, will you guys come back and join us again sometime? Absolutely. If you'll so have this us. This wasn't so bad, a Victoria. Lot more this wasn't so bad. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you guys have a great day. All right. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. We're just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.